Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading this morning is from the 18th chapter of St. Matthew. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all of his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him and said, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. Now when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord, our rock, our redeemer, our strength, our mighty fortress. Amen. When I was 28 years old, I was having a hard time forgiving someone pretty important in my life. If, if I'm honest, the word forgiveness was not what I thought about. I was ticked off. I was angry at him. He had disappointed me in a deep, deep way, or so I thought. I didn't like to be around him and, to be honest, would avoid it as much as possible, except that he was part of my family, and it was sort of hard to hide from him. (laughs) I'm not sure when it happened and when it began. We had a lot in common, similar interests, a similar drive. He was smart, was enjoyable to talk with him. I valued his opinion. He was one of the most confident people I've ever met, and you know what that became. When things went down, his confidence in my mind turned to arrogance, and his opinions became just downright irritating. (laughs) In conversation, well, it turned to argument. I didn't like him, and I didn't want to be around him. Why? Well, honestly, I I can't pinpoint it. 
He had been in a relationship that I thought was questionable at church. I thought he was rather two-faced. At home, he was less than honorable, in my humble opinion. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever, if you've done the math, but maybe some of you have. But at 28 years of age, some of you know that I was in my third year of seminary. Think about that. I was planning to be a pastor in the church, to lead folks in their spiritual disciplines, to preach and teach about a Christ who gives us all a second chance, to place in the hands of parishioners a simple piece of of bread and proclaim the mystery of faith that this is the body of Christ broken for you. But behind the facade, I seethed with bitterness. Why? Because I refused to forgive. That year, Krista and I were living in Harrisonburg, Virginia, while I served a one-year internship at Muhlenberg Lutheran Church, great place, and worship most every week. My job, among other things, but this in particular, was to lead the congregation in the, forg- in the confession of sins. Now, Pastor Roy Nielsen was my supervisor, and even though I, I had never talked with him about this problem that I had, I found it far more than interesting, if not ironic, that that Roy always wanted me to make the proclamation that you are forgiven of all of your sins. On more than one occasion, I could see this guy's face in my mind as I said those words. I know that sounds overly dramatic. I mean, I get it. But this was eating at my soul. One day, Helen Wilfong asked me to stop by her house for a visit. Helen was a gracious older woman in our, in our church. She was the matriarch of the Wilfong family. She grew up in an old order Mennonite family, but her parents gave her permission to step outside and to marry someone uh, with whom she had fallen in love, a man outside of the Mennonite faith, the Mennonite order. She did, but she always had a deep love and respect for all that she had learned as a Mennonite, to love God, to love one another, to love the earth. And if you know anything about Mennonites, you know this, to work for peace in all that you do. That was Helen, to a T. And I told her so. She laughed and respectfully disagreed. She said, Rhodes, there was a time when that wasn't me at all. Then she told me her story. It was the late 1970s, and her daughter was in college and came home with a a new boyfriend now, that wasn't a problem. Her, her daughter had had boyfriends before and had often come home with her boyfriends. In fact, she sort of was looking forward to it and, and nothing out of the ordinary except that Helen wasn't prepared when this boyfriend walked through the door. He was black. No doubt Helen was hospitable and kind. I bet she asked questions about his family and wanted to know what made him tick But deep inside, she was uncomfortable. Then, when a neighbor, you know, who had been watching how neighbors sometimes do, had been watching what was going on that previous weekend, when a neighbor asked her about it, she was embarrassed. And then she found her embarrassment quickly turning to anger. You know how anger often is a result of embarrassment, right? 
She was angry at her daughter all of a sudden for putting her mom and family in such an awkward situation. And it did, didn't take much for anger to, to, for Helen to just to begin to justify her anger. We, we've all been there, right? Uh, we spent endless hours justifying every reason we have to be disappointed or downright angry. This gentle woman who grew up with a profound understanding of peace suddenly found herself restless, defensive, praying that her daughter would see the light. Uh, uh, Helen turned to me and looked me in the eye. I can see it to this day. She said, did you hear what I said? I was praying that my daughter would see the light. I don't know why Helen felt that she had to repeat those words to me, (laughs) but deep down, I know. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells a parable about a man I've always had a hard time preaching about. Let's call him Rhodes. You see, a king wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and so he called those who owed him some money. The first guy he called was a man named Rhodes. Odd, isn't it? Well, he owed him 10,000 bags of Gold. That's a little bit different than what you've read, but I want to bring that to, to light a little bit. Uh, a little bit. 10,000 bags of gold. It's an unbelievable, insurmountable amount of money. One bag alone was called a talent in those days, and it weighed about 130 pounds. Think about that. 130 pounds of gold is what one talent equaled. And it would take 15 years for the average man to earn just one bag. So that meant that this man owed the king 150,000 years of labor. No clue how he amassed such a debt. Well, when he told the king that he was unable to repay, the king ordered that he and his wife and his kids be sold in order to partially repay the debt. But Rhodes fell on his knees, pleaded with the king, be patient with me, please, and I promise I'll repay everything. Right. I mean, really? How possible is that? And yet, the king had pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Amazing. I mean, that's quite a surprise, don't you think? Quite generous. He didn't have to do it. He was entirely justified in sending that guy to prison. And listen, uh, a debtor's prison in the Roman Empire, not a place that you wanted to be. And for a debt as big as that, (laughs) he'd never see freedom again. And yet, Rhodes was scot-free. And his wife and his kids, just like that. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. It was just a gift. Well, the next day, Rhodes went out first thing in the morning and tracked down a guy who owed him a hundred silver coins. That's not a small sum, by the way. I mean, each silver coin was called a denarius, and it represented one man's uh, day's labor. So this man owed Rhodes a hundred days of labor. Again, that's not... That's not um, a small sum, but it's nothing compared to what Rhodes owed the king, right? Significant, significant. 
But Rhodes grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The man fell to his knees and begged him. You've heard these words. Be patient with me, please. And I promise I'll pay it back. But Rhodes refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison, into debtor's prison, until he would be able to pay him back. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told the king everything that had happened. Then the king commanded that Rhodes be brought to him. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the king handed him back over to the jailers until, until he should pay back all that he owed. When, when Helen turned to me and looked me in the eye, I'm not sure what she was thinking. In fact, Helen has long since passed away, and I was never able to ask her. But, but I have a sense that this parable may have been on her mind. Did you hear what I said? I was praying that my daughter, my daughter, would see the light. She shook her head and smiled, then she told me the rest of the story. She was so distraught that she invited her pastor over for coffee. She was so prepared. I mean, she was eager to explain why she was disappointed in her daughter, to justify her anger, and she had every expectation that he would agree He listened intently and quietly all the way up to Helen's final defense, which ended with the rather sanctimonious statement, I have been praying that my daughter would see the light. What else can I do? After a few moments of silence, her pastor sat down his cup of coffee and said simply, Helen, maybe you should stop praying for your daughter and start praying for yourself. With that, he stood up and left. When Helen retold that story, it hit me like a ton of bricks. (laughs) But I couldn't tell her why. (laughs) And unfortunately, maybe because we were still seven hours away from the person of my disgust, nothing changed. I'm sort of embarrassed to say. Until the next year, back on campus for my fourth year of seminary, in eight short months, I would be called as a pastor to a church that was as of yet unknown. I went to a professor, because I sort of needed to get this off my chest. (laughs) I went to a professor who I trusted, and I laid it all on the table. And let's be honest, I laid down why this guy was so guilty. (laughs) I spoke easily for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes non-stop. It was as if I was a lawyer making a closing statement. It was brilliant. It was convincing. The verdict was clear. This guy was guilty and deserved my wrath. And more than that, deserved the collective wrath of everyone involved. When I was finished, Dr. Everett said absolutely nothing. It was some of the most awkward silence I've ever encountered in my life. Until finally he said this, 
Rhodes, I want you to go home, and I want you to look in the mirror, and I want you to tell that story again. Then come and tell me if there's anyone in this world who is not worthy of forgiveness. I stepped out of his office and cried like a baby. Tell me if there's anyone in this world who is not worthy of forgiveness. So that next morning, I visited my brother-in-law at his home, in his kitchen. And what became quite a long road toward forgiveness, toward reconciliation. But what has become deep and abiding love? The king has canceled all of your debts, all of them, forgave it all, every bit of it. It's amazing, isn't it? How then will you respond? Amen.